good afternoon, good evening, everyone all around the world. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. I want to thank you so much for listening to the show. I am your host, Scott Lowe. And my goal today with this episode of the Full Stack Journey is to help equip and prepare listeners their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that we find ourselves working with in today's data centers and public cloud environments. Now, that topic is pretty broad, uh, perhaps intentionally so. And so we find ourselves talking about all kinds of interesting things. At least the feedback from you, the listeners, has been that we're touching on lots of interesting topics. And today we're going to be touching on a topic that we talked about three years ago, and that is Talos Linux. So joining me to talk about Talos today is Andrew. Yeah, thank you for having me, Scott. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. So um, obviously you and I have interacted before. We did a podcast episode way back in April of 2020 uh, in the early days of Talos, I believe it was. I think we were talking about like version 0.4 or something like that. So it was pretty early. But uh, I'm really glad you're able to jump back on the show again and kind of bring Talos to, you know, the listeners and we'll talk about, you know, what Talos is and what you guys are trying to accomplish and then talk about something, some things that have happened new. But before we do all that, why don't you take a moment and just introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah. So my name is Andrew Reinhardt. I'm the founder of Sidera Labs, creator of Talos Linux, and now I'm the CTO and Try to do a little bit of everything at the company. Um, I've been involved with containers since they were beta with Docker, I think back in 2013 or 14. I remember being in, at my um, college family housing and just messing around with what containers are and just trying to understand them and to just see it come this far is really awesome. And I've just been uh, you know passionate about Linux since I was in my teens. My introduction to Linux was an Android phone. I couldn't afford a computer, so I just rooted Android phones and figured out what Linux is that way. And so today, I'm fortunate enough to uh, my own company and be leading a really strong team developing a Linux distribution. That is very cool. That's a neat, uh, super neat story. I don't think um, I don't think we got into that last time we chatted because I was like, I don't remember that. That's cool. <laughs> So anyway, thanks for sharing that, Andrew. Yeah. So, you know, we chatted uh, and folks, I'll have a link to this in the show notes is way back in episode 41, uh, the full stack journey. And it was from April, 2020, if I recall, and we jumped on and we talked about Talos and at the time I didn't have a whole lot of time to spend with it, but then I revisited it recently. And I have to say, like, I really, I really like the idea behind Talos. So why don't we go ahead and just kind of like jump in, but you know, I, I do want to make sure that readers know or listeners know, excuse me, that we do have the previous episode. So if you want to kind of go back and get some historical context on what happened then, then that'd be great. But jumping into, into the topic, then, you know, like we have some listeners who may know about it, but I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of listeners who have not heard about it. Why don't we start with like, you know, what is the point behind Talos Linux and why did you start this? And you know, what are your sort of your guiding principles for the project? Well, I'm happy to say that since we've spoken, we've stayed really true to the original vision of Talos Linux. You know, typically when you start something, you see people kind of fold to the pressures and whatnot. But we've actually had a really good reception to this idea. People really, really like it. And the, and the general idea, as I learned over time to kind of reduce it down in the simplest form, is humans off of the machines in any way possible, in every way possible. We've tried to do that in the past with things like configuration management, Puppet, Chef, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, they're bypassable. You could just SSH in and 
do what you need to get your job done and go home and spend time with your family. Rightly so. But I think that over time that accumulates too much technical debt, too much drift. And so the basic idea with Talos is, like I said, let's get humans off the box. So there is no bash. There is no SSH. It's API managed and configuration driven. What I mean by that is you can use the API to do things like debugging potential problems. So getting something like a TCP dump, for example, using the CLI for the Linux distribution, you can get you know, a list of processes, something like top. Um, there's just all kinds of equivalent API calls that you can make that you would do with more traditional Unix utilities. And so that's what I mean by API managed. And when I say configuration driven, Talos is driven purely by configuration. It is declaratively driven. So just like Kubernetes, you know, you tell the system what you want out of it, and this tries to make it happen. And so uh, we've gone to great lengths to make that happen so far as actually rewriting PID1. So there is no system D in Talos. The PID1 is a Go binary, and it runs off of the controller pattern that you find in Kubernetes in that there's some event that's published, some resource that's created, and different controllers react and response off of those events. And for example, a, a link, an interface coming up. Uh, we pick up in the configuration that you're requesting ETH0 have this IP address. Okay, that's an event that's kicked off to this controller. This controller will go and configure it. Another controller will do, you know, so on and so forth, just as an example. And so we've kind of really just rethought Linux from the ground up, and we're, we're calling it machine Linux. You know, there's been server Linux and there's desktop Linux. We're kind of coining the term machine Linux here. It's Linux that is designed for machine interaction, for autonomy, for automating, not for, you know, humans getting on there. And really, that's the underlying principle with Talos, get humans off the box. Got it. And in my own sort of experiments with Talos, you know, I can totally see the effects or the impact of that guiding principle, right? You know, like when you go to boot a machine, you know, you're passing it a machine configuration, depending on which cloud and which provider you're 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 giving it, right? And uh, and then it goes and it you know essentially like you were describing with with Kubernetes controllers and the controller pattern, it you know it realizes that configuration. You watch it over a little period of time, and you'll see it sort of like coming to the point at which you said this is what I want you to look like. And and then it and then it ends up looking like that, right? And, and and I will say it is like for for all the Linux heads out there, right? It is different. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's still Linux underneath, right? But like, it is different. Like you 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 really do have to sort of rethink the the way that you approach uh, thinking about the machines and thinking about um, Talos running on the machines and how you pass configurations and all of that. It's it's like a different. It is a different beast, but I, but I, but I like, um, what, what, what is happening with it. I think it's, I think it's really cool. Now, one thing that I, I did find, and I don't know, we, we talked about this in the last episode as well is like, it appears as if, and correct me if I'm wrong, that really Talos is currently at least tailored as a Kubernetes node, right? Like this, the OS is designed to be a Kubernetes node. Like you wouldn't stand up an instance of Talos to do something else like, you know, run Apache or, or Nginx or something like that, you know, cause it's, it's, it's really intended to be to boot up and become either a control plane node or a worker node in a Kubernetes cluster. Is that, is that accurate? Oh yeah, that's 100% accurate. 
we could kind of look at, and the reason why I felt that we could take such dramatic changes and, and just a complete rethought of what Linux should be is because of the things that we can do with Kubernetes. In some sense, you can look at Kubernetes as a package manager, right? This is why just going a little bit deeper into Talos Linux, there is no package manager in Talos Linux. And, and you know, to just extend more on that, in fact, it's, it's completely read-only and it runs in memory. So there's not a whole lot to it. And it is designed that way because we have Kubernetes to handle things that we might need to do otherwise. If you need to run a machine, so, you know, a binary on every machine, that's not an Ansible script that SSH is in and, you know, does apt install or yum command, whatever, you know, and then, you know, sets up system D, it, it's let's schedule a daemon set. And so you could kind of look at Kubernetes as a package manager of sorts. And there's a lot of things that we can do with Kubernetes that is lacking in Talos Linux. And so we can only really design it this way when I think we have something more abstract on top of it. And it just so happens that Kubernetes is that thing at the moment. I think we've dabbled with the idea of being able to you know, run your own containers on Talos Linux. I don't see that happening anytime soon, but I would love to see the principles of Talos Linux live beyond Kubernetes. And I just think it's a better design for distributed systems. So yeah, short answer is, yeah, it is. You want to run Kubernetes, Talos Linux is your very easy, secure way to do so at, at a very high quality production level. This isn't you know, a toy thing. This is running Kubernetes anywhere in a production fashion. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if we think about Kubernetes, and I know a lot of people describe Kubernetes as, you know, sort of like, you know, the, the modern Linux kernel or, you know, the distributed Linux kernel, right? Like the basis right. for distributed systems, right? Then it would make sense that uh, in thinking about a redesign of what Linux looks like and trying to accomplish that goal of getting humans off the machines, right? Then you would need to sort of embrace sort of that higher higher level entity, whatever that is. And right now it's Kubernetes, you know, in the right. future, it sounds like, you know, in the future if some other solution were to evolve or to emerge, then I would imagine then it wouldn't be like a huge deal for you to pivot um, or to expand functionality in Talos to accommodate, you know, whatever those, whatever that thing is that might possibly emerge in the future. I think since we've spoken, we've come up with some new fundamental ideas that are behind Talos Linux. And one of them Currently, it's called uh, COSI, C-O-S-I, the Common Operating System Interface. I did a, a talk on this at KubeCon EU, I think, uh, the year after you and I spoke, maybe. But the the basic idea is, you know, we have CSI, we have CNI, we have all of these interfaces to try and agree on something as an industry, what X should look like and what the interface should look like. But we don't want to have one for something like API-managed operating systems because this is the first one to do it. And so since then, we've come up with this idea of Cozy. And the idea behind Cozy is, again, just let's have a interface that we can agree on as an industry standard. But furthermore than that, it's there is an implementation that we have as well that sits lower level than Kubernetes. We could add in Kubernetes uh, the goal one day is to have Kubernetes be a plug into this system. So Talos would be cozy, pure cozy, and then a Go binary that gets dropped somewhere and loaded up as a plugin that adds Kubernetes functionality. And then in the future, we could replace that with whatever 
is requested, whatever is needed at the time. But it's still Talos Linux at the end of the day. It's it's built for distributed systems. It's just swapping out which implementation you want. Yeah, that no, that makes a lot of sense. And there's there's frankly there's a lot of power in you know it used to be that we drove standards through standards bodies um, that took forever, but now there's a lot of power and a lot of a lot of influence had in, to be had in you know addressing or creating sort of standards. OCI is one, for example, that is both here's the standard of how we, you know, solution, and here is an implementation that is open source. Right. Right. Um, right. Because then if other people find value in it, then they'll begin adopting it and it will gain adoption by, by virtue of its, you know, its worth. Right. And if other people right. find it needs to be improved, then generally if they have an interest in it, they will contribute back to update the standard and or update the open source implementation of that standard. Yeah. Yeah. I, 100%. But the, you know, the problem is I think that, um, understanding how Linux works really low level is sort of a a set of knowledge that's being lost, you know? <laughs> so finding people capable and interested in doing this, you know, it's, it's a small group of people, but I think that it's it's still worth the time that we're investing in it. We're seeing other people come out with similar ideas and I've, I've talked with different groups that have spawned off different ideas from Cozy and they have their own thing now. And, you know, you hear about the SystemD folks talking about having APIs you know, so these ideas are definitely coming out there. I, I would really love for Talos Linux to be credited as, you know, a source of inspiration for these things. But, you know, time will tell and history will be what it will, what it will be. But it's something that we need to do, I think. Uh, we've been stuck for so long in a certain model and that worked well. It's just it's just time to rethink it, I think. I really honestly agree with you. You were mentioning earlier, you know, that we've tried to address this in the past with things like configuration management systems and uh, you know Puppet, Chef, uh, Ansible. You know, insert right three or four others probably. <laughs> right. um, you know, and there's been there's been like limited attempts to get into this similar space. So my mind goes back to CoreOS and its successor, Flatcar, um, as mm -hmm. being you know container optimized Linux distributions that are intended to run containers not necessarily to have you run a package manager and install a package. Right. Um, yep. So there, there's like all these fledgling efforts to get there, but they're all by and large working from a common sort of basis rather than sort of turning that upside down on its head and saying, Hey, let's just plan on not having users interacting with the system. Let's just take away the shell right. and take away SSH access and just do an API. Right. Rather <laughs> than saying, well, how can we adapt a shell to accommodate these things? Right. So I, I, I I like the way that, uh, just just personally, I like the way that this challenges the status quo in how Linux should be and how you should manage or interact with Linux. Yep. So, so kudos to you and the team for that. But yeah, anyway, thank you. Yeah, of course. No, I, I I love seeing people do interesting things. But um, so I I wanted to to just chat a little bit about you know with Talos currently being sort of tied, if you will, and we talked about the reasons tied to Kubernetes. How, how does that how does that link between the two um, either either complicate or simplify a lot of the operational concerns for cluster operators? Like, like so you hear cluster operators talking about, hey, I want to treat my cluster my clusters as cattle, but but you know, I have these workloads running on them and uh, you know, I need to simplify the process of upgrading to new versions, or I need to patch my nodes, or you know, whatever the case may be. And it seems like taking uh -huh. this sort of different approach might actually have quite an impact in that space. Oh yeah. 
So in addition to this idea of getting humans off the box, there's sort of a, a secondary motivation behind Talos Linux. And that's, you know, when you're running a distributed system like Kubernetes, you don't want to have to worry about the operating system. So what can we do to get rid of the operating system? Because, you know, I, I don't agree in a lot of ways that Kubernetes is a you know distributed kernel necessarily or whatever, you know, all of these things. But I do think that it greatly reduces what we need from an operating system. Um, so to that end, Talos is 50 megabyte squash FS. So it's image-based. There is no partial upgrade. There is either running Talos 1.5 or Talos 1.4. There is no in-between state. So upgrades are a simple matter of just saying which version you want, right? Um, and when you have a surface area that's so small as Talos Linux, there's just so much that you don't have to worry about anymore. You know, user management, uh, package management, you know, hardening, because Talos Linux comes with a hardened kernel. It comes with a hardened user space. Security is at the forefront of everything that we do. Again, it's it's this idea of how can we forget about the operating system? And my my most fundamental belief is that humans can't be on the box. It needs to be highly secure. Otherwise, you're going to still be worrying about it. And it needs to be extremely small. So with those three things, I should also add it needs to be uh, ephemeral as well. It needs to be something that can go come and go, right? So with all of those in, in hand, I think it just delivers a better promise for, it's not rocket science to, to me. I mean, it's kind of hard to explain the value when the value is having nothing, <laughs> you know, when there's just less to worry about. It's like, you know, what they say, the best code is no code. You know, if we can write programs that literally have no code, that's the best and easiest, safest, most secure code you can possibly have on the earth. But obviously, it doesn't do anything. So how can we get down to the most minimal possible so that we can decrease attack surface, so that we can decrease operational load? How can we make it extremely stable? And all of the features that I've already talked about with Talos Linux just delivered that on so many levels so that at the end of the day, you're really just worried about your workload, right? Or hopefully not Kubernetes, but Talos does offer some flexibility in that sense. So you may worry about Kubernetes to some degree, but we just want to give you a way to deliver your service, your next business idea, your your home lab, whatever it may be in the quickest, most efficient way possible. And I strongly believe that's just because it's, you know, like I said, it's there's nothing to Talos Linux, but at the same time, there's a lot. So we always get into this weird situation where it's hard to explain the value because the value is having less. Yeah. 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 I, I get what you're saying. Like you're, you're trying to say, you know, look at, look at this value we've created by taking stuff away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, we're, we're conditioned to like, you know, well, that, that should be a new product. It's this new thing. And, and over time we've added on and added on. We've been, we've been retrofitting a car frame to be an airplane and packing on wings to an old VW bug. And, we're hiding it under this guise of, oh, but it's modular and it's the Unix philosophy. We have to rethink this from the ground up. And part of that is just removing things, I think. Well, I mean, you brought up the Unix philosophy. So I actually think that what you're doing with Talos is probably a pure expression of the Unix philosophy, right? And that you are focusing on doing one thing. I would agree. It's just, it's at a more macroscopic level, I think, you know. That's fair. 
That's fair. I guess then just to tease this out for the listeners a little bit, um, upgrades then are going to be super simple. It's just a matter of like saying, okay, I, I want to run this version of Talos instead of that version of Talos. And then, you know, the machine's going to reboot and, you know, basically be running a new version of Talos because it's all in memory. There's also, I guess, from the, from the operator's concerns going to be, I guess they just have to pay attention to the Kubernetes version that's attached or associated to each Talos Linux release so that they handle the upgrade steps sort of appropriately from that Kubernetes yeah. perspective, right? That is correct. But you could explicitly define which version of Kubernetes that you want. And, you know, if you're not, if you're just sticking to the defaults with Talos, that is true. And we also have another value of Talos Linux is that we've not only done, you know, a reimagining of Talos Linux for distributed systems, and we've done all these things like, you know, hardening and it's read-only and whatnot, but we've also embedded operational knowledge into PIG1. So for example, if you issue an upgrade of two control plane nodes at once, one of them is going to get denied because that's going to lose etcd quorum. That's something that you don't have to think about with Talos Linux, right? There's guardrails that are baked into Talos Linux that protect you because we are fully aware that this is a Kubernetes-based uh, distribution. That's what we're trying to deliver is a Kubernetes experience at the end of the day. So we can build in operational knowledge. So we'll give you warnings. You know, I think one of our warnings is also if you upgraded this version of Kubernetes, you have actually some deprecated API calls or APIs that are being used by your Kubernetes cluster. So we're not going to upgrade. Little things like that add up here and there that just kind of save you at the end of the day. So we, we do our best to bake in operational knowledge, but so that you can just say, I want this version. And if something bubbles up and says, well, you can't because of this, well, you've either learned something or you're just like, oh yeah, well, thankfully I'm running Talos Linux. Now I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, uh, that's cool. That's really smart because having that knowledge embedded in the system so that it knows, uh, the example you gave, you know, trying to upgrade multiple control plane nodes at the same time, right? It's like, no, no, you, you can't do that. You got to wait right. until etcd quorum is restored and then I'll proceed with the next one, you know, or, or, or allow exactly. you to request the next one or whatever the case may be. So, and then as far as like specifying the Kubernetes version, I mean, I guess there's probably like a range, you know, like Talos Linux 1.5 supports, you know, minimum Kubernetes X up to maximum Kubernetes Y or something like that. And so anywhere right. in that range, they're probably good to go. And that gives them the flexibility they need to make sure that they do the appropriate minor upgrades or major upgrades, jumping between versions yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, each release of Talos aligns with a Kubernetes release. And so Talos is certified against N minus Oh God, I forget the number now. I, the Kubernetes standard. I think it's N minus two. I was going to say, I so, think it's N minus two. Yeah. Yeah. N minus two. So if Talos 1.4 comes with Kubernetes 1.27, you know, you have five, six, and seven that you can run with that. And it's just on that running basis right there. So every release, you're going to have N minus two wiggle room. Nice. That's great. And then I guess just thinking about that, you know, operationally, I guess a user could request a Kubernetes upgrade independent from a Talos upgrade for like a separation Absolutely. of concerns, right? Yeah. So they could, they could upgrade the Talos version to get ready for a newer Kubernetes version, um, perhaps. Yep. And then at some point later, then do, okay, now I'm ready to do the Kubernetes and they can coordinate, you know, that sort of process. So reducing exactly. impact on applications. and that sort of thing. Yep, exactly. We've, we've tried to, you know, one of the things that I personally liked about CoreOS, but I didn't think was utilized much in practice was the whole beta alpha channels and then running, you know, newer versions in your Kubernetes cluster 
um, you know, running a, a set of nodes that are beta. I think we can do the same thing with Talos um, because it offers backwards compatibilities and stuff like this, but without it being beta or alpha, you just run, you know, N minus one stable version of Talos and, you know, try like do exactly what you said. Just let's try upgrading to one five on these machines. Let them sit for a day. Okay, cool. Let's upgrade all of them to Talos Linux. Let that sit. All right, now let's upgrade Kubernetes after we got all of our, all of our ducks in a row. So I I try to advocate for that model. Yeah, that's it. Seems like it would be an easier process than some of the things that I I have had to go through or I've had to help customers go through in the past. So that's yes. that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we we've chatted a little bit as we've been going through this about sort of you know the 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 you know recent developments, new features in Talos, you know that kind of thing, right? But I wondered, like, you know, just because it's been three years, so there's a ton that's new. Right. Obviously, we can't cover everything that you guys have done in the last three years. But I wonder if there's anything in particular that you wanted to call out, sort of new things yeah. that are notable, right, that listeners should should be sure to be, like, be aware of. Yeah. So I think um, this one's less, I think, um, user impacting, but I think over time it will be more and more. And we've, we've touched on it already, and that's cozy. Talos used to be very linear in its process and, and not reactive to configuration changes. With Cozy, we're actually having everything be a controller within Talos. And these are just Go routines within PID1. So they're not actually, it's not like you got a ton of bloat running on the machine. There's just different logical units within Talos that are handling different things. That was a big change for us. But it's opening up all kinds of interesting opportunities because we can do things like multi-doc YAML. Right now, Talos is driven purely by uh, just a big flat YAML file. Imagine being able to maintain ETH0 configuration changes in a document all on its own. Being able to apply that, have that be fully reactive on the fly, bringing the link down, changing the IP address, bringing it back up, doing health checks on it. And we can do that reactivity type stuff because of Cozy. And so you're going to see Talos becoming more and more reactive. And we're actually, we're almost... 100% there. In 1.5, we're going to be even further. 1.5 is coming with this multi-doc feature that I'm talking about. We still have some migration plans on you know, how to get the full suite of options within different configuration files, but we're laying the groundwork in 1.5 to be able to do multi-doc. That was a huge change from since we've talked. The next biggest thing I would say is that we've added a feature called KubeSpan. And what KubeSpan is essentially is a way to run Kubernetes clusters that span across disparate networks. So because of the strong consistency promise around Talos Linux, you, you can run the same literally bit for bit. You can actually check some it. This is the version of Talos Linux running in AWS and on-prem and in my Raspberry Pi and in Azure. Now, what if you want to actually make a cluster that spans all of those at the same time? Imagine you're a data center or you're you have a uh, a factory floor and you need to burst out to the cloud to run AI or to run some workload because it's, you know, traffic is up, but you don't have capacity in your data center. Well, just fail over to the cloud for a little bit and then call it a day. KubeSpan sets up WireGuard mesh network between the machines so that Kubernetes traffic and operating system traffic can traverse over these tunnels, completely transparent to your network or sorry, to your uh, to your workloads. Completely transparent to Kubernetes. Kubernetes doesn't even know what's going on. And this is all enabled with just a Boolean flag. You just say kubespan enabled, true. And you join a machine to it, 
we've had some examples where um, when we first released it, we had someone join a machine from a train in Amsterdam. We had someone, you know, join from just all over the world, you know, uh, Argentina, just one giant cluster that spanned the world. So that sounds fascinating, but my Kubernetes brain is now rushing around and, and I have like, like I have, I have questions, right? <laughs> you know, because like in the past in consulting with customers and helping guide them on their Kubernetes designs, you know, we're advising them like, Hey, etcd isn't really designed to be, you know, split across low latency links or, or across high latency yep. links, excuse me. Right. And separating, you know, worker nodes from the control plane across a, a low bandwidth link, you know, might or a high, high latency link might create problems, that kind of stuff. You know, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm just missing some, it sounds like KubeSpan doesn't necessarily address those sort of architectural concerns. But if you take bandwidth and latency sort of out of the picture, or if you, I don't think you can take it completely out of the picture, but if you right. just assume that like, okay, I'm running in, you know, relatively close regions on a major cloud provider. And so bandwidth and latency aren't going to be significant concerns. Then it sounds right. like this would be a pretty interesting sort of solution, but you still need to think about the underlying network. I mean, I, am I am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. To some okay. degree, uh, that's absolutely true. Uh, we still recommend people do not run etcd. You know, one in Asia, one in the U.S., and one in Europe. That's not wise. <laughs> so, still run etcd within relatively close regions. But I think we're laying the groundwork for things that we're hoping Kubernetes will get better at. Um, so edge, for example, like the, the kubelet being able to periodically check in and not always need to and just be able to handle intermittent connectivity issues. I, I believe that will come eventually because we're seeing Kubernetes, Kubernetes more and more at the edge. So it's not, I think, something where, you know, if you expect the machine to be off for days, it's not this is just a, a limitation of Kubernetes. Right. This is not something you want to take a make a bet on. That being said, I think I think in practice it will for the most part, be okay, but I wouldn't want to bet my company on it, right? But, you know, let's assume that the Kubelet gets better at it and, and the Kubernetes community finds ways for us to do these types of things. You know, we're still figuring out what is, like, this is just such new ground. Like, what? What do you mean running, you know, a machine in one data center and another? Like, this is, this is just an example of the things that we could do with something like Talos Linux because it's machine Linux. We can we can actually programmatically set this up across a number of machines very very easily. There's API. This is all done over the Talos APIs. You know, this imagine uh, maintaining Ansible scripts to do this as a machine comes up. You know, it gets registered, and then you got to have Ansible Tower go and run this thing, and then oh, SSA. It's just you know, it would be a nightmare in my humble opinion. I think with something like Talos Linux, we could start pushing the limits of what's possible. And that's what we're doing. I just think the rest of the industry needs to catch up, <laughs> to be frank. I think we're we're ahead of the game here in that sense. But there are still real practical things that you can do. Like you said, okay, well, if you keep your workloads relatively close, then maybe latency is actually not the biggest issue. Maybe it's within tolerable numbers I mean, we can tolerate you know 10 more milliseconds that's that's okay um but the more extreme cases i think there needs to be you know a fundamental shift in just how we think of kubernetes even to, to make that really really happen you know just built for these really harsh locations and stuff like that 
Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I think, I think as an industry, we are still early because we're, we're in early days because even though Kubernetes has been around for a while and Linux has been around for ages, of course, and you know, networking is a well-understood entity now being able to think about running a workload, you know, that has components in AWS or components in Azure or components in GCP, um, altogether. Um, and actually while you were, while you were talking, the number one, um, concern that jumped to my head, I remembered it when customers used to ask about doing this sort of thing and, and uh, all other things accepted. The biggest limitation right now is Kubernetes and the cloud provider, um, pieces, you know, running multiple cloud providers inside a single cluster is, is last time yeah. I heard still a no go, right? So if Kubernetes addresses that, and then you get sort of the cloud integration so that if you wanted to migrate a workload or a service between AWS and Azure, um, and it knew how to, to manipulate the appropriate underlying cloud platform entities like load balancers and that sort of thing, then yeah, that, that might certainly be great. And, and I, I, all that, all that being said, I think the idea of what you're doing with KubeSpan is really, really cool in doing that in sort of, as you mentioned, transparent to Kubernetes, you know, you're like, you're just saying, look, we know where the machines are. We know how, you know, they're coming up because all that's API driven. So we're just going to, we're going to take care of the trouble of like exchanging, you know, all the necessary pieces for WireGuard VPN and just set right. it up. And then it, it, if you guys know how to use it, you can use it and go with it. Right. Um, and right. as higher levels remove limitations, then more things become possible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Cool. In fact, I, I, I'll just, you know, while we're on topic of new things there, the WireGuard is something that we're, we're heavily interested in and, and, and investing in. And one of those things um, is a new product of ours called Omni. And Omni also built on top of WireGuard, just like KubeSpan does. And what Omni is, it's, you know, okay, we have this awesome Linux distribution that's API managing, configuration driven. Um, but at the end of the day, you still have to manage configuration. You still have to do some management, right? We're not going to, you know, I'm a strong advocate for this idea of um, essential complexity and accidental complexity. So we as humans can introduce more complexity by trying to make something better. And we actually just making it more complex. Um, we're in a difficult space. We're trying to run distributed systems that run the world. And so there's only so far you can boil it down to be simple. So, you know, Talos isn't going to make the promise of, you know, hey, you're going to be able to run um, five nines availability SaaS within days. You know, there's still work to be done. So now we're starting to think about, well, how can we how can we utilize something like Talos Linux to make getting an entire business up and running faster, not just your Kubernetes cluster cluster. Um, but let's, let's start to think about how we can leverage Talos Linux to make, just kind of keep extending what we're doing, but further up the stack. And so what Omni is, it's a management solution that's explicitly built for running Talos in the same way that Talos is explicitly built for running Kubernetes. We can leverage the Talos APIs. Um, and since you can run Talos Linux anywhere, we have this strong guarantee of consistency. Going back to your point uh, where, you know, you're running Kubernetes across multiple cloud platforms, well, you can't really mix and match EKS with AKS. And, and you know, there's different, there's different incompatibilities. They're not running the same version of K Kubernetes. So as well, if you're running Talos Linux everywhere, you have literally bit for bit the same exact version of Kubernetes and, and Linux distribution 
across multiple clouds, but you didn't really have a way to get that cloud-like experience to do that. And so Omni is offered as a SaaS. You could log in, um, sign up for an account, you download an ISO or an AMI or whatever. This this experience is going to get better over time. You boot it up and it establishes a WireGuard tunnel with our SaaS. And from there, we have a secure encrypted channel to control that Linux distribution from anywhere in the world. And so we have customers that are running, you know, um, car charging stations in, you know, all over the world. They're single node clusters. They, they come up and they use you know, a SIM card to establish network connectivity, establish a WireGuard tunnel. And then from there, operators can manage these machines out in the field from the comfort of their home using Palace Linux APIs without having to worry about someone being able to, you know, muck around with it aside from physically breaking it, you know. Um, and so Omni is our new product that we're building to sort of offer, okay, now that we can manage Kubernetes very easily, with, Tal- with Talos Linux, how can we manage Talos Linux at scale? And so, you know, going back to WireGuard, it's all built on WireGuard. Uh, we can actually, we can handle machines from anywhere in the world thanks to that. In the same way that we can connect to machines anywhere in the world thanks to WireGuard. Cool. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. Like, you, you know, the way you described it, you know, you built Talos explicitly to run Kubernetes and there are, um, you know, there are, are benefits derived from that right and so now building omni as a solution to explicitly manage um uh, talos then allows you to to you know sort of get out some additional benefits as well oh yeah yeah cool all right and um you know i i'm sure pricing and you know all that is still sort of up in the air are you guys going to have like you know free tiers or individual tiers or anything like that for hobbyists Um, yeah, we have different tiers. Uh, we have a hobby tier. I think it's twenty bucks a month, and you get five machines that'll that it can be managed by it. And like you said, you know, we're constantly trying to figure out pricing. Pricing is difficult, so almost as difficult as naming things. Um, <laughs> so, For sure. Yeah, <laughs> we're uh, we're we're doing our best to you know stay fair to everybody. But so far, it's been it's been a really good success for our company, um, and we're really excited to continue pushing forward with that and just you know. Tons of tons of things in the vision. You know, the vision's really big here at Sidero Labs, and I think we're just barely scratching the surface. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what my team's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do, um, and what we can what we can deliver to make everyone's lives easier, so we can spend more time with our families. Yeah, amen to that. Um, so we're we're just about at time to wrap up, but before we we close out the show, I always like to ask um, guests, you know. Hey, are there any resources that you would highlight for um, the listeners, things that will make it particularly easy to get started or give it a try or something like that? Um, you know, there, there are a couple of things that I will point out and, and listeners all have links to these, some Pulumi programs that I wrote to stand up Talos on both AWS and Azure. Um, and then there's also a, a GitHub repository under the Sidero Labs um, organization called Contrib, which has some other IAC infrastructure as code resources for Talos. So if you're into infrastructure as code and adding more automation to your life, then that might be good resources to look at. But Andrew, is there anything else that you would like to explicitly call out as like, Hey, if you're new to this space, check out this. Yeah, of course I got to, you know, point out Um, That's our corporate site. If you want to kind of see who we are as a company, um, 
we're we're mostly open source and so each one of our projects sort of have their own website so if you go to talos.dev that'll be you know more towards the open source community and if you want to dig dig deep into talos linux uh the the docs are there i'd also say you should join our slack our, our community really one of the things that made us successful and continues to make us successful is our community our community is just and i know i'm biased uh but i'm i'm i try to be you know as honest as i can in every conversation this this community is really awesome the people help each other there's no you know no rude people rude people actually i think we've only had one person and we drove them out just because you know there's no tolerance for any of that type of stuff great community so um if you go to talos's readme you'll have a link there come join that that's a great place to get started um and if you are interested in signing up for Omni, giving a spin, there's two weeks that you get for free. Uh, it is at um, oh, signup.omni.sederalabs.com, I believe. I'm I could totally be messing that up. DNS names, you know, I, I don't remember those. <laughs> I could look it up. But no, that, um, that, we'll yeah, that's fine. Well, we'll um, I'll give that to you um, that you can link, Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make we'll make sure the link in the show notes is is uh, is accurate, even if the uh, the recollection in the audio is not correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No worries. Thanks, uh, Andrew. And I, I I think that's a great set of resources for listeners. Um, and uh, so I do encourage everyone to take advantage of the resources if you're interested in looking into Talos or experimenting with it. And if you're a Kubernetes sort of focused person, um, I do think this is absolutely worth spending some time looking at it. Um, so, you know, my, my recommendation is if you're into Kubernetes these days, definitely give Talos a look um, and, uh, and, and give it a try. Andrew, before we wrap up, um, do you want to share any sort of like online contact info, you know, Twitter, Mastodon, blog, anything like that where folks can find you online? Well, I, I recently got rid of Twitter. I'm not a big social media person. Um, I like to just kind of stay to myself, <laughs> but I'm in the Slack community. So join that. Um, but you can follow the company, uh, Sidera Labs at, at Twitter. Um, and I think that's, yeah, I don't think we have a Mastodon. So check us out on there. Follow us. We're, we're constantly posting on there. Our CEO, Steve, is a funny guy. So he's always got some memes on there. <laughs> cool. No, that's great. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Andrew. And thank, thank you. you. Yeah, it's been great. I enjoyed the discussion. Thank you listeners for joining us for this episode of the full stack journey podcast. And I appreciate you taking time and I hope that you have found this episode to be uh, helpful and informative. That's always my goal. Um, I'm always open to your feedback on uh, this episode or any episode of the podcast. So reach out to me anytime you can hit me on Twitter is at Scott underscore low, or you can reach out to the podcast directly at FSJ podcast. Um, and if you know me, then, you know, I, I'm all kinds of other places online. So it's really not hard to find me. Um, I would love to hear from you. And uh, so with that, we'll wrap up. This has been the Full Stack Journey podcast where too much learning is never enough. <laughs>